Aloha, this is Bill Best once again with Off the Record. Good to be here on KEKU once again. And we are live every Tuesday and Thursday. And uh, Bobby D. Best is usually here, but in place of her, her purse will be sitting off camera. Uh, just to let you know. And she would normally say uh, we are indebted to Maui Toyota for their support. Maui Toyota underwriting this show. And again, live every Tuesday and Thursday. And if you love guitars, well, right now I'm playing uh, John McLaughlin and the Fourth Dimension with Guitar Love. And uh, if you do love guitars, then chances are you know Steve Grimes. And I have Steve Grimes in the studio right now. I thought I'd kind of throw him a bone because he's <laughs> he's trying to sell his uh, one of his guitars, and uh, you know he's got some event uh, up at uh, the Marilyn Monroe House. And I thought, well, you know, I'll I'll have him on the show and and uh, maybe get a few more tickets uh, for the guy and. Uh, and then I go to get tickets. It's all sold out. What's the deal? The, the deal is you were too slow, Bill. <laughs> I guess so. Well, <laughs> you guys uh, got to move them right up, uh, like this close. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's Bobby now. Ah, things are back to normal. Yeah, you got to be right up on it as best you can. My job is thanking Maui Toyota. Did you do that? Yes, I did. All right. <laughs> a little slow on the update. <laughs> so uh, we are really pleased to have you in the studio. You've been on our show before. And, of course, anybody who knows Maui knows you. Or if they don't, I don't know where they've been. Well, there's a lot of non-guitar players never heard of me. <laughs> you suppose? I would think I'm famous in certain circles. What people do you think? who uh, like custom-made guitars. Outside of that, maybe people that like the kind of music I play, but I never think of myself as, you know, very well-known. Anyone that listens to this show hears your name a lot. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and I expect a dollar for every mention, too. Uh, you're already up to, I think, $112 now. <laughs> But that's all right. You take Diners Club. Yeah, we love we love the creative people here on Maui, and uh, and you are certainly an amazing, an amazing guitar maker, a luthier, uh, and uh, you actually created oh, a thousand guitars, and you're mm -hmm. selling what more than that now? How many? Uh, thousand instruments. Instruments. That's right. Yes. Because you There's make a mandolins. Very very distinct. Right. Distinction. Yeah, you, you don't make um, wind instruments, of course, but no, you could. St all you... stringed instruments, but uh, ukuleles are very popular, and I've been making them since the '70s. But uh, they really took off for me in the early 2000s. So a lot of those instruments are ukuleles, and I have to say, ukuleles uh, get out the door faster than a guitar. Well, is that because they're uh, so affordable and they're uh, less expensive? No, well, they're not necessarily less expensive, no, but no. and not necessarily less time. But way we the way we do it, we do spend less time building a new, the average ukulele than we do on the average guitar. Right. And it's not just size, the size of the instrument, but that does play into it a little bit. But uh, so, mandolins, basses, um, ukuleles, and guitars have all added up to a thousand, because I've been numbering 
Well, we have my good friend Stephen Geyer. That's here. right. <laughs> He's got number one. He's got number one. Well, what? guitar number one. Yeah. Well, I had made a couple of mandolins before Steve uh, Stephen commissioned this guitar in 1974. 74. You're that old now. Jeez. <laughs> I was born just before that. <laughs> yeah, 73, I think. Well, I've outlived all of you, <laughs> you young whippersnappers. So this is the number one guitar, that mm -hmm. uh, the first one. And what encouraged you to buy it? Well, I mean, that's just so beautiful. Yeah. Uh, what encouraged you to buy from Steve? You'd known him. I, yes, we'd known each other uh, when I was going to college back east and uh, in the Baltimore area. And we'd driven across country together and came out to California together. And then he went up to uh, Port Townsend, Washington. And, I didn't, you know, and then we kept in touch. And then not, not maybe a couple of years after we came out, you know, he was interested in building a guitar and... Uh, and uh, I was interested in having a, you know, <laughs> yeah, guitar yeah. built, but and it was uh, it was a year a year later uh, this guitar, you know, came into the world. It was blind faith actually because I remember he had that nothing. Group. He had nothing Sorry. to go on. Well, except I knew you. <laughs> well, but he had seen a few mandolins. Yeah, uh, and he said, uh, "Gee, if you can make an archtop mandolin, could you make me an archtop guitar?" And I just said, of course. Uh, <laughs> and inside, I was going, really? <laughs> do you think you can do that? So that was the first attempt. And, and I hadn't seen it for, I don't know how many years, decades. Really? And, and he shipped it to me three days ago. Wow. And um, I just looked at it and I went, I don't get this because it, I, I, there's nothing about this that I would change 46 years later. Mm -hmm. But... The first mandolin, the first instrument I built was a mandolin. And I'll also have that at this uh, party on Saturday. My brother owns that. And he dug it out of the closet and had no strings on it and was just mildew and dust and everything. Yeah. He didn't play it. So now it's back to the land of the living. But <laughs> you can see the evolution This that happened the same year because that instrument was finished in January of 74. This was finished in September of 74, and number one, two, three, four, five mandolins, the first five instruments are instruments that I, I get a kick out of them, but I would just as soon put someone else's name oh, on the yeah. top. Yeah. Because they're, well, I guess you got to start somewhere. Well, sure, yeah. This is way before there was internet. There wasn't any books on making mandolins. There wasn't maybe one book on making flat top guitars. I learned a lot about arching the top from a violin making book hmm. because there were no books on arch top guitars. And you could look at a Gibson, you could inspect the inside, you could get measurements, but there was not, no instructional stuff. You, you mentioned something called a book. Um, <laughs> I imagine you, you can see a lot of stuff, though, on, on YouTube now. There must uh, be a, a wealth of uh, information. On there this. is. I mean, just at your fingertips, there's so yeah. much information yeah. now. And so luthiers that are starting now, and this is great. I'm not saying it's bad. Oh, yeah, I absolutely. just wish that I had that, that ability um, back. I mean, they can start off with a fabulous instrument. By just going, there's there's several books, many books on building any type of instrument you want to build. There's uh, YouTube videos on how to put on a finish and how to set a neck and all these things that it's just 
it's the information age. Yeah. And uh, so there's so many good young luthiers. And uh, there was a, just a write-up last week, um, the next generation of luthiers, although I, it was uh, the front cover of Acoustic Guitar Magazine, and it, it was uh, Gen X luthiers or whatever, and I expected the whole article to be about 20-something and 30-something luthiers. And there were some friends of mine in there that didn't oh, yeah. fall into that category. <laughs> Kenny Hill and some other people that are my age. Uh-huh. So I don't know how I don't know how they got in there. I don't know how I didn't get in there. <laughs> so this one, the first one was Beginner's Luck. And uh, did, did the second one and third one were just as satisfying to you? You know, I ha- yes. In terms of satisfaction, absolutely. This was the one that actually made me feel, okay... It was a good decision to quit my job at Boeing. I was a draftsman for Boeing. And um, I knew that I had something that I thought I could do to make a living. Uh, being a draftsman, how did that help you in, in building? We should have brought... Um, I dug up a drawing, and we can't actually figure out whether he did the drawing or I did the drawing. <laughs> in 1974, on his kitchen table in L.A., uh, but it's a drawing of this guitar. And it was, I didn't have spec sheets in those days, it was just a drawing. And it looks like a black and white photograph of this guitar. Mm-hmm. Every aspect of it, the, the way we separated the mother of pearl from the abalone inlays on the finger, everything is on this drawing. And then there's these lines that like draftsmen draw with the, with the arrow pointing to this particular detail or that detail. So it, it's a draft drafting drafted drawing but uh i think you might have done the drawing and i did the drafting yeah 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 the the, uh it's possible that i did a drawing in in that because that's tracing paper that this is on oh and that's what i was thinking last night that we traced it then and traced what traced the original drawing oh then you think you still have the original i think i still have it somewhere yeah Hmm. It's worth a lot of money. We have to dig that up. All right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Unless and, I pawned it. Yeah. And this is uh, still held up after all oh. these years. Oh yeah, I looked down the neck. I mean, I, it had worn frets. They were just shot. And he, oh, this yeah. guy's been playing this guitar with just, you know, the metal frets get worn. Sure. Yeah. Get worn down to the knuckles, you right. know. And, and and I so he didn't know it, but because he shipped it three days ahead of time. So in the three days, I replaced all the frets. I took the pickup out, rewired under the pickup. Uh, the shaping of the, the reshaping of the fingerboard, um, I guess I didn't do my inlays thick enough. The mother pearl and, you know, there were thin shells. Mm-hmm. So in shaving some of the ski jump out of the fingerboard up here, the inlays disappeared. So I had to redo six inlays up here. Wow. But it was not a huge job and, and uh, uh, and then he picked it up yesterday, and it was like playing on ice skates. Beautiful. May so, we hear you play something? But to answer your question, the, uh, it's in good shape. Yes, yeah. it is. It's it beautiful. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. In fact, I kind of feel like you should play it backwards, because the back is so extraordinarily beautiful. Maybe put a hole on both sides. I don't know. That guy Love is good. short version. <laughs> Blackbird. Blackbird, yeah. So Steve is also a composer and a singer, and, and what do you do? 
You... I actually write songs and play guitar, and, and I'm actually a musician, too. Actually a musician. Yeah. So yes. you both do similar things. Did you just study the same things in college? I was uh, an art major. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was an art major for a while. Yeah, and then yeah. I I got out of that and into a, more of a technical. I got into engineering. Well, I was interested in um, in architecture for a while until mm-hmm. I took mechanical drawing, <laughs> and realized I had no uh, <laughs> no mind for all of that figuring. Because mm-hmm. I'm a kind of guy where you know you uh, you measure it once and then you s- cut it twice. Is that a kind of <laughs> Guy, I, you wouldn't want me in your in your workshop. No, but I I did spend some time in your workshop, and I was just fascinated by uh, your collection of woods. You've got woods that you've collected over the years, some of which you've never used, that are just well, all everything that's in my wood room. Up. I haven't used yet. <laughs> uh, there are some woods like I collected this wood, but it's <coughs> I can't use it anymore. It's already been done. But no, I have a collection of wood that. Um, uh, I get to pick from, which is really exciting. I'll walk into the wood room, and first of all, I just love walking in there because of the smell of woods from all over the world. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I get excited about th- pulling out a piece of wood, like zebra wood. Yeah. What was I going to do with this? I don't know. I've had it since 78. Let's make something out of it. And so we do, uh, it used to be, I was so busy with commissions that I was four years behind. So I couldn't do that. I couldn't walk into the woodroom and go, I think I'm going to use this piece of quilted maple. Yeah. Because yeah. it's just screaming, you know, make me into an instrument. And I can do that now. And the orders have slowed down, which is good. Yeah. Even for the two of us, and I work with Russell Halverson, and the two of us are working our butts off. And still, I have about a year backlog but it's not four years anymore no and i much prefer that are there um, materials you can't get anymore or for one reason or another uh, the coronavirus you can get anything if you've got the do re mi is that right uh <clears throat> there's uh, moratoriums on some of the woods um, that you can't get brazilian rosewood out of brazil anymore there are other dealers that you can get it but it has to have uh documentation that it was harvested before a certain time legally and it's from adhering to the CITES treaty the convention on international trade and endangered species yeah so no more ivory I mean yeah I, no I never used ivory but uh, pianos though back in the day all the keys were done with ivory can you believe they would they would kill <laughs> kill an animal so they could have the, I know because you could put I know could be any other material right yeah. I even, you know, I'm very judicious about the wood that I use. And yeah. um, I feel like I've planted more wood than I'll ever use in my lifetime. Really? Good. You've planted some, a few trees, have you? Uh, more than a few. More than a few. Yeah. And not uh, commercially, I did it for a while. I worked for Olympic Reforestation when I was up in Port Townsend. And that was brutal work. But we, uh, it, it supplemented my meager income. We would a whole team of us would go up into the Olympic Mountains where they had clear cut, and we would just put in hemlock starts. I bet you'd have about a 60-pound bag of hemlock starts and pff, dig a little hole, put a tree in, put the you know move on to plant 200 and 300 trees a day. Have you ever checked on those trees to see how they fared? No. no. Yeah. They're probably, well, hemlock tree in 45 years would probably be a pretty good-sized tree. Yeah, yeah. Unless it's been cut down again. 
He would get a wood from people here who were cutting down trees because uh, they cut down the uh, uh, yeah the uh, rainbow. Um, uh, eucalyptus. Uh, That's not it's really. Just, it's beautiful tree. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't make. It's, it's not very good lumber. No. It's very uh, unstable. It, it wants to twist. Oh really? And so. Yeah. Yeah. So you want uh, something that's sturdy but pliable to a certain extent. Sturdy and stable. Yeah, sturdy and stable. And um, there's uh, certain woods that are known for stability, dimensional stability, but more than others, and. Uh, Spruce, and then there's also a spruce uh, mahogany is very uh, different kinds of mahogany. Most notably, Honduras mahogany is probably one of the more stable woods in the world, hmm. and that's why it makes such great necks. Oh, okay. Because it, after it's dried, it doesn't have a lot of tendency to want to twist. Mm-hmm. Maple, mm-hmm. I think that's maple. Yeah, now this is lu- he was lucky on this one because maple. Ten years down the road, after the guitar is built, can just start to develop a twist because it's got some memory mm-hmm. about something that happened in its childhood <laughs> that's just going to go back yeah, to I some see. form, to some tension that's in, in inside the wood. Mm. So maple is known for beauty, but not so much dimensional stability. Yeah. And um, uh, mahoganies and spruces and other woods like that are very, very... Well, mahogany is is a very heavy wood, and I used to have a Les Paul, which was a solid mahogany guitar, mm-hmm. and uh, my shoulder was in pain after playing that thing for a while. Yeah, uh, and uh, but it had a wonderful sustain. It was so solid uh, of, of a wood that the sustain. That's was the price you amazing. pay for this sustain. Yeah, yeah. I was. <laughs> if you uh, want t- sustain, you need weight. I was talking to uh, another guitarist, and I said, uh, you know, Steve Howe of Yes, he has a granite guitar, and he has it on a big apparatus that they roll out, and he walks up to it, and he, he just plays it. He doesn't have to hold it. Wow. But another Well, amazing. that's a real rock guitarist. <laughs> really oh, wow. yeah, Thank you very much. We'll be here. <laughs> Don't forget the <laughs> So did we ever get around to that song? Well, I was hoping I would hear one composed by one of them and another composed by the other. Oh, I see. That would be fun. You, you could do a song and I could just well, move along. This is your interview. Oh, no. It's our interview. Yeah. Uh, by the way, are you the two Steves that no. I've heard so much about? There's another, Steve Stusser. Steve Stusser. Stusser. And Steve has That's sat in me. that chair. And we have done a show That's with right. you yes. in the past. Yes, I yeah. know. Just, and he will be here. He only works with Steve. Steve. So then they'll be here. <laughs> I was wondering, any room for a bill? <laughs> no. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Have you composed anything together? No, so. although it's, it's marginal. Uh, I wrote a song on the mandolin in 73, and then I took a trip down to his place, and that's when he ordered that guitar. And while I was down visiting him in L.A., uh, I played him the first part of the song, which was a kind of a sound. It kind of has the feel of a Russian folk song. Yeah. And I had named it the Stalingrad Stomp. <laughs> and uh, it kind of a you know you can picture the guys in the Cossack doing the, the mm-hmm. Cossack dance. I'm the, not sure. What the I, famous Cossack yeah. dance. Yes. Yeah. And so Steve, pole dance. he says, it needs another part. It needs another part. So he wrote a bridge for it. 
Yeah, which I still play to this day. To We've the- mostly been decomposing together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. that's nasty. Excellent. <laughs> um, well, I can play a song that you uh, probably haven't played yet, and that's the most fun. I always enjoyed. What you wrote? Uh, watching other guitar players squirm. Oh, what the fuck's going on? We could do uh, the song about the incoming ballistic missile. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. Uh, it's still all, Maui, timely. all Hawaii residents remember where they were that yes. day when uh, Kim Jong un yeah. supposedly sent a missile our way. We were so uh, oblivious. We were watching the news, and then this thing came across the uh, scrawl at the top, and that annoying sound, you know? And we thought, well, we're trying to see the news. I'll turn it off and. We went about our business, never knew anything about it. Oh. While people are jumping down manholes, yeah. <laughs> just going crazy. Well, I I was making cappuccinos, and my wife was making some scrambled eggs, and all of a sudden my cell phone went, ah, ah, this is not a drill, incoming ballistic missile, take cover. <laughs> and I said, honey, uh, where do we take cover? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we don't have a basement. Do we get in our cars? So like, well, they don't uh, tell you where to go. They if there's they a front, you know. Uh, well, maybe they mean get under the cover. Get, uh, get, uh, get under your table. <laughs> it's dark and cover. That's dark right. and cover That's is what you're anyway, supposed to do. Anyway, this is a song about a guy who interpreted it as, let's go back to bed. It's called One Last Thrill. <laughs> a crazy sound a sound of urgency my cell phone told me this is an emergency a warning whistle said this ain't no drill there's a morning missile it's coming in for the kill Well, I looked at the message, well, what can you do? It said, this ain't fake news, it's all true. And then it said, get undercover. And that's when I looked for my significant other. I want one last thrill. There's not a minute to waste. Let's have our fill. Before we're all erased If it's ashes to ashes If it's dust to dust Let's go with some love And just a little love <laughs> Honey, let's make love Till the end of the world How about a little loving Before the world's an oven there's no better time than now, honey So let's have a blast Cause if a rocket man's right on the money This minute could be our last If we gotta go, let's go out with a bang This swan song may be the last one we sang No need to play it safe, let's go for it all With sex, drugs, rock and roll and Alcohol. 
as if it starts to go ballistic this minute could be our last Clever. Complete with all the goofs <laughs> I could squeeze into one song. It's perfect. Now, is that on any of your albums? You've got three, right? Three albums. It's going to be on the next one. Next one. That's Which is all the all the songs are written. Uh, half of them, more than half of them, are recorded, and it's, we still have a long way to go. Where do you record? I record with uh, um, uh, Eric Helmkamp. Mm. At his studio in Pukalani, uh -huh. and uh, Andrew Fowler also does mobile recording. So he has brought his whole rig into my uh, studio and recorded there. And, I'm surprised uh, you need a rig these days. I mean, can't you just set out your cell phone and record the thing? <laughs> well, it's the something about quality. <laughs> yeah, I think. Uh, well, you expect brings, quality from uh, these. Machines he brings now. his Pro Tools rig in. Oh, yeah, in a, Pro in a Tools. A couple yeah. suitcases, sets it up in a half an hour, and we're ready yeah. to go. When we need to get bass and drums, we go to Ala Studio in Makawa, Tom Lele's studio. Mm. Excellent studio. So add all the, the B3. He's got a B3 there and, and drums all set up. So you walk in, just do it. I'm surprised you even have to go anywhere because I've, I've talked to <laughs> musicians who collaborate across the uh, USA, you know, uh, from one coast to the other, and they're sending stuff back and forth and, um, you know, composing that way, which is amazing to me. It is, and it's been done that way for, yeah. for quite a while, wouldn't you say? I, I, remember... I think, you know, when you have that personal <clears throat> touch, though, when you have person-to-person, -person, yeah. there's some there's a spark there that you might not get otherwise. Absolutely. And then uh, Steve does a lot of session work, has done a lot of yeah. session work in LA, and that wouldn't be the same as mailing it in no. or dropboxing it in, where the actual producer or the musician or whatever that he's working for says, Well, let's try it again, but do this. You can't do that over the phone, I wouldn't think, as well. Yeah, sort of like, I like that, it's perfect, but I'd like it a little greener. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah, more perfecter. <laughs> more perfecter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so can you name drop a few uh, people? That... I know he can. Oh. Well, oh, this guy can name drop way better than I can. Really? Oh, yeah. He's... I know Stephen Grimes. <laughs> well, all right. That's yeah. really well, something. That's... He's a friend of mine. <laughs> Person. yes. Personal. I... And you have his first guitar. I do. Oh, my gosh. Well, uh, I, I had a nice uh, long career in uh, L.A. playing in studio situations with a lot of the really legendary players. I was so fortunate. Uh, I got to play with a lot of the Wrecking Crew who are pretty famous. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I got to sit next to a lot of just amazing, the world-class players, Larry yeah. Carlton, uh, Robin Ford, I mean, Lee Sklar on bass. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Russ Kunkel on drums, uh, all kind, Mike Baird, all kinds of great yeah, players. Yeah. I was very fortunate. And then I'd occasionally I'd travel, I'd tour and go on, you know, play a guitar for people. And um, but I had a very successful uh, songwriting career. I've had a very successful songwriting career. I wrote a lot of TV themes and movie stuff and really? and records. And You've things. heard a lot of them. Yeah. If I sang them, you go, oh, that one? Serious? <laughs> yeah. Like uh, Flintstones. Yeah, that's not. But I wish I had. I, then I'd be affording it. Really, that would, that would be a, 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 a moneymaker, huh? But I did write uh, a co-write a song called uh, "Believe It or Not," that was the uh, theme song to the television show "The Greatest American Hero." Oh, okay. Yeah. Believe it or not, I'm walking on air. Yeah. <laughs> Got a yeah. whole room singing that one. Yeah, yeah, and then a lot of other TV themes. Yeah. Uh, and sung by people from Dr. John to uh, Roberta Flack. Just all kinds of great people. Dr. John, he was so uh, unassuming. I met, I met him briefly, and uh, he, was he was just sitting there at the airport. And I'm, oh, nice. Yeah, hello. And he was, oh, I'm friend. And. Yeah. You know, I expect an attitude. I always expect an attitude, and uh, sometimes they're easy to come by. Yes, they are. I'm well, still working on mine. That's the thing about just, musicians. You know, they 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 can be trouble. Yeah, it can be trouble. And when you're playing with them, you know, you gotta sometimes uh, bend to their rules. And but I I don't I you're probably beyond all that. <laughs> Hey, we're talking with uh, Steve Grimes and Steve Geyer, Stephen Geyer, whatever. And, uh, <laughs> I'm still getting used to it, too. Yeah, yeah. And these guys, uh, you've been friends since the 70s? Yeah. We met in and, 70. Uh, Stephen had a duo. Uh, I, <laughs> he'll laugh when I remember this little nuance, but they would start off, it was he and another guitar player, uh, both singer-songwriters. And uh, the name of the duo was Together and Alone. And Steve would oh. usually introduce them and say, I'm together and he's alone. He's Do you alone. Yeah. No, but that's good. Do you don't remember that? I'm glad I, we just needed a drum, uh, a rim shot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, that was your, that was your opening line. Yeah. But we, uh, my then wife, uh, we went up to Towson State University because I was living a few miles south of there. Uh, to hear these guys play and that's when we met them and we became friends and we started jamming with them and uh, we kind of became groupies of Together and Alone and uh, so Together is here with me now ah, yeah, so, okay. and I'm alone <laughs> <laughs> you're not alone you're, you're married for God's sake <clears throat> and uh, you have kids don't you you have a few I know no, I, I have a thousand Thousand kids. Thousand kids. Yeah. Made them all. I was wondering if uh, you had, um, you know, had others uh, in your family who were, who were uh, into the Whitland thing. You know, like Whitler's no. mother. Well, Whitland mothers. Whitler's. <laughs> Whitland. <laughs> um, he does my, have one grandkid. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, gonna, it's one thousandth guitar. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, this is the first one. And um, and you've already gone through a thousand different instruments so far. Do you ever think about, well, geez, I, I think I'll just sit back on my, rest on my laurels and hardies and... Um, well, if I didn't like what I did, I would do that yeah, probably. I, mean, sure. a lot, I feel very fortunate to not have a job that I can't wait until I retire. Yeah, or yeah, I can't wait yeah. until four o'clock and I get to leave. 
Um, I have a sign on the wall of my shop that says the ultimate accomplishment is to blur the line between work and play. And so uh, I quit Boeing um, and I, when I made my first mandolin. And I knew that that's what I wanted to do. I was playing, I was a musician, I played violin and, and mandolin and guitar. And uh, I remember my mom saying, you're going to throw your education away? Uh -huh. And I said, no, there's a lot of engineering in building instruments, Mom. And she goes, I just, what are you building? I said, I'm building mandolins. How old were you then? It was 72 when I told her that I quit Boeing. So I was 24. Uh -huh. So uh, she said, you're going to throw your education away. What are you going to do? Stand on the street corner selling medallions? <laughs> I said, medallions. Mom, mandolins, not medallions. <laughs> so, and it wasn't until years later when I said, hey, Mom, uh, ever heard of this guy, George Benson? He bought one of my guitars. And she went, really? Then she was like, oh, oh well, maybe he's, it's not so bad. He's a luthier or whatever. And she started you know, telling her friends, hey, my son. So she finally accepted the fact that I was... Uh, uh, more of a blue-collar worker than a white-collar worker. She uh, wanted me to be an aerospace engineer or sure, something like that, yeah, so, yeah. which my older brother is, was. But uh, uh, I think uh, I, I wrote a song recently called uh, What You Love, and it's for Mariana's kids. My wife Mariana teaches, uh, uh, well, she's just retired from teaching 6th, 7th, and 8th graders, and she's uh, more focused on teaching a certain um, uh, type of education uh, about the local environment, uh, the wetlands, the, the, um, uh, the indigenous plants, how to you know, maintain our aina in Hawaii, and her uh, company that she works for is based on Oahu called Papahanakua Ola. And so she's back to teaching, but she's much more focused on what she wants to do. Yeah, good, good. And um, I don't know how I got on that. I have no. Do idea. what you love. Oh yeah, yeah. But so, so I, I I would write these songs for her eighth graders. I wrote a song oh. called "Malama Your Mama." Well, yeah, that's uh, one that, that uh, Doctor B plays on Manao yeah, Radio. Yeah, that's all the kind time. of his theme song. <laughs> yeah, but is. so I wrote this song, and it goes, "Do what you love, and you love what you do." If there's one thing that's true, it's the voice you hear inside of you. Because I've had these kids in my shop, and they go, what is going on here? And they've learned math, and they've learned English, and how to put words together. And, and, but they don't have much um, outside influence. So there's other things that might stir the passion inside of you. Sure. And I've always felt like passion is the best paycheck. If you have, it doesn't matter how much money you make. If you're you're getting paid with doing what you have a passion for, so I um, just kind of stuck to it. And, and if I won the lottery, I'd just build a bigger shop or a bigger guitar, probably. No, <laughs> bigger is not better. I just think of you <laughs> working for Boeing and uh making guitars and i think about the covers on the boston albums if you can remember the covers they had these big spaceships that were oh, gigantic yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gu yeah. electric guitars right. <laughs> hovering over some place 
Yeah. So I'm I'm like the timekeeper here, and I would like to hear something Stephen composed. Yes. Oh my goodness, really? Yeah. This guy is my songwriting guru. I mean, honestly, he has produced a number of my songs. I'll 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 finish the song and I'll send it to him, and he'll say, "Well, it, it's a little long, or it could use this." Uh, if you, really? you know, yeah, if you embellish this or drop this out, I think it would ring better or sound better. Oh. And so he is my QR person. Oh. Is that right? Quality Works for no. me. Quality QC. That's what I meant. Quality QC. control. My quality control. control. Yeah. Songwriting guru. Yeah. <laughs> so this guy has has written songs for so many famous people that have re- you know, recorded his songs. And uh, he's just a great lyricist and a great composer. Do you have a, a favorite note? <laughs> H flat. H. Wow, you've got a. That's a different guitar than altogether. It's Here's a song H. I wrote that, uh, and I wrote this well before the show, the, the Greatest American Hero. But I, I used to write a song a week for that show as well. And, and uh, Stephen Cannell, who, who wrote and, pro- and produced those shows, heard it and said, could, it, could I build a, a script around that one week? And so, so they did it, and I got an Emmy uh, nomination. Wow. And then it went, uh, but before that, or I think it was before that, John Denver cut it, and I have a nice gold album at home. Thanks wow. to him. So That's this great is a song. dreams that sail away to sea and some that stay at home there are dreams in need of company and some that stand alone there are dreams that stay inside all day and never see the light if dreams come true, I swear to you, I'll dream of you tonight. In the corner bar, the local star destroys a passing chord. He sits behind a mason jar and dreams of his reward. Then he takes his break and he counts his take A dollar buys a beer Two quarters of his life is gone And what's he doing here? Now times are hard The old backyard is buried in cement The people seem afraid to dream and dreams don't cost a cent dreams that stay inside all day and never see the light that's right and if dreams come true i swear to you 
I'll dream of you tonight And if dreams come true I swear to you I'll dream of you tonight Why did that make me so sad? <laughs> I can hear John singing that. Beautiful. Yeah, I can yeah. too. Yeah. I wow. didn't know John Denver did that many covers. Uh, yeah, I thought I, he just he did do a fair amount, but oh. this was on an album he did called Seasons Seasons of the Heart, mm -hmm. and uh, and he was very kind. He gave me a gold album, and there was a point at which he he heard me playing a lead, and and he came up and asked if I would play guitar for his band. But uh, Whoa. what happened was uh, James Burton was going to retire. He was the guitarist in his band. James, the greatest rockabilly. Big shoes to fill. Big shoes. So, so I, was, I felt amazed that he asked me this. And, uh, I, of course, I said yes. But then, uh, before that happened, uh, James's son took, got the gig. James Burton's son. Oh. Mm. Yeah. I thought you were going to say John... Left the planet. <laughs> no, I'm not sure it was what after, year that was. Yeah, it was after James took over. Yeah. Uh, oh, his yeah. son took over that. But spoiler alert, yeah. he did. Yeah. John is no longer with us. Yeah, but he was a sweet man. If you could leave great songs like he did, and and you are, and you know your your music is just going to outlive you, and uh, what a great legacy to have floating around, especially <laughs> your own voice singing something. You know, people are listening mm -hmm. and. And you're long, Let's long Let's hope it gone. has longevity because in today's world, mm -hmm. you know, it's so flash in the pan. Yeah, it isn't it? And, um, you know, there's people, I give a CD, hey, would you like to hear some, you know, my music? And they go, oh, I don't have a CD player anymore. Is there something I can download? Is there something I can stream? And I go, well, yeah, you could go to Spotify, um, but don't you care? Who's playing drums and who's playing bass? Yeah, yeah. No, and the pic, the they little don't. pictures and yeah, and everything. The credits. Yeah, I love that. The president of CD Baby, I was over in uh, Honolulu for the nomin. I was nominated for that album, Labor of Love, was nominated for a, a Hoku Hano, Hano Award back in 2010, and I'm sitting at this big round table. Um, Art Vento uh, from the Mac mm -hmm. was there, and, and um, this album came up on the jumbotrons on both sides of the stage in the ballroom, and they started playing the first cut. And so Art turned to me and he went, "All right, Steve, you know." And so the other guys in the table I didn't know, and he goes, "Is that you?" And I said, "Yeah, that's my album." And he goes, "Hi, I'm I can't remember his name." He goes, "I'm the president of CD Baby." Oh. And they were they're the largest independent music distributor in the United States. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I said, "Oh, I'm a, I'm a member." And he goes, oh, good, good. And I said, so tell me, where's the CD? This is 2010. I said, where's the CD going? He goes, it's going nowhere. I said, so <laughs> are we looking at the end of the CD? He goes, absolutely. Yeah. And I said, so what are you, are you going to change the name of your company to Streaming Baby? <laughs> and he goes, not yet. And yeah. I actually, he ended up selling the business to uh, someone else, uh, but it still exists as CD Baby. Yeah. But half of the people I give a CD to, they go, 
oh, I think I know somebody with a CD player. So the medium is now all digital. It's all in the, you know, the, what do they call it? The cloud, whatever. And so an artist paints a painting. It'd be like saying to an artist, we're not going to make canvas anymore. Yeah, yeah. Your paintings are going to have to be on a computer and you're just going to have to sell you know, copies of <laughs> computer. We're taking away your medium. So there hasn't been anything to replace CD that's an actual thing you can hold in your hand, like LPs or CDs or even 8-track, whatever. The, all those media are gone. Well, what about the resurgence of the record now? People are buying record players again, and yeah. I mean... Those are. This is so much more convenient. Yeah. But I love the records because you can. Oh, I'll bring you an LP. <laughs> you have yeah, an LP no, of this? Not, a, not of that. Excuse me. Of uh, the Ocean Road, I made and I did a vinyl. I, I bought 500 copies. Really? Just to see, because I've heard about this vinyl resurgence, and I'm still looking to unload well, 485 of them. Yeah. <laughs> well, the but, bookstores ha have records and <clears throat> record players to buy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have a best record player still we have ever a had. Bookstore on Maui. One left. One left. Mm -hmm. So there are those of us who remember books and CDs. Sure, Barnes and Nobles there. Uh -huh. Request Music sells turntables. Yeah, Request Music has my LPs there. Yeah. yeah. So and you mentioned the first uh, song on this, which is "Slow Down." It's one of my favorites off the album. Uh, I, I just love that uh, you kind of berating. And this came out before people were really r running red lights like they are now. And, and Oh, Slow Down was a note to self song. Yeah. <laughs> that was a, uh, I, I was just going full tilt boogie and I just, I went, whoa, 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 whoa. You're racing, racing to the, to the last day. So, but there was a song I was mentioning earlier is um, uh, What They Say. What They Say. Which was the song that's just one long string of cliches. Yeah, I've got that queued up if uh, if you want to hear it. Whatever you want. Oh, well, it is my show, isn't it? Oh, it's our show. Right, Bobby? Our show. Yeah. Well, let's uh, give a listen. Let's By the way, uh, John Cleary from, uh, from New Orleans on piano. Let's see if this does anything other than beep. There we go.
Make hay when it shines And when the blind lead the blind Out of sight, out of mind They say you are what you are No, you can't win them all They say the higher you are The harder you fall Okay, no secrets now. We're on. We're on the mic now. All right. Uh, yeah, I love that. Um, all cliches. All cliches. Very clever. Very clever indeed. I didn't cover all cliches. There's still a few. Uh, yeah, I I'm think bound so. and determined to find yeah. the the last 
the cliche. The last cliche. There's a song right there. You know, at the end of the day, you did a really uh, nice job. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're going to talk for the rest of the day in nothing but cliches. <laughs> oh, so, so the elephant in the room is the big event on Saturday. It's at the Marilyn Monroe House up there. And uh, if you're thinking about getting tickets, forget about it. They're uh, gone. They're all gone. Gone, every one of them. I never uh, thought that I would sell out that early. I was hoping it would sell out, and that's good, good. But yeah. it's, um, you know, you always w- hope for everybody who wants to come to be able to come. But um, they gave me the cutoff point, and uh, I've had numerous calls from friends and other folks that tracked me down and, uh, hey, come on, it's your event. You can get me in. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I just, it's not up to me. I have somebody <laughs> running the ticket thing. So uh, the uh, guitar, uh, the instrument, your one thousandth instrument, is it? It's still up for auction. It is. The auction uh, is going to going to end at the event at eight o'clock. Oh right. So uh, there's two things being auctioned, and there's um, Mama and Bambino. The Mama is guitar number one thousand, and uh, the Bambino is spit an image of mom inlay woods everything is exactly the same except shrunken down <laughs> to Shrunk. tenor ukulele size and so it's a tenor ukulele version uh, of the 1000 guitar from the same board the uh, curly brazilian rosewood really? for oh, the back man. and sides and german spruce for the top and it says uh, on, on the peg head here inlaid in mother pearl black black pearl and uh, abalone, it says one grand, and then it's uh, it's the only guitar I've ever built with my autograph in mother of pearl on the back of the peghead. It's a pretty cool guitar, and I've had the wood, and I'm you know it's like that Dylan song when I paint my masterpiece. I looked at this and I went someday, I'm I'm just going to try to make the ultimate guitar, you know, no holds barred, just yeah. do it, and that's what I finally went. If this, if not now. <laughs> If not for number 1,000, I'm not going to be around for number 2,000. That would be 2067. Yeah. I did some math, and uh, <laughs> nope. I will be 117. Oh, that's possible, though. I was, I've was i been possible. reading about a woman who lived to be 122. Was she still building guitars? Uh, well, she was doing a lot of whittling. <laughs> it was Whittler's mother. <laughs> oh! oh to get that uh, in again. Oh. Seriously, <laughs> Uh, you can see his wonderful guitars on his website, grimesguitars.com. And uh, outside of this event on Saturday, will you be playing uh, sometime in the near future with your uh, crew? We have been doing, uh, my five-piece band, Ono Grimes Band, has mm-hmm. been playing at Mulligan's uh, once a month. Oh, okay. Um, that may be changing as far as the date, and I'm not sure about that. That's still, uh, you can check Mulligan's schedule. And uh, I play with various other people and duos and whatever comes up. I just, uh, I'm like Stephen, I just, there's something about the live performance that uh, it just energizes oh, you yeah, and yeah. different licks come out yeah. <laughs> than if you're just sitting at home and pressing record and play yeah. and just recording or in a session and, you know, you just, uh, you get the feedback, you get that energy from the audience, when you say? Yeah, absolutely. And so... Do I need to? Not, uh, I, yeah, I do. For, for the heart, I need yeah. to go out and play. And what's your favorite lick? 
Hagen Dazs vanilla, Swiss vanilla almond. So, does somebody put that on your website where you're going to be appearing? There's another website called grimestunes.com, and it has my three most recent CDs on there and information on on gigs and things. And Stephen Geyer, do you have a website you want to tell people of? I'm on Facebook. And Stephen George Geyer, okay. and I put my gigs up there. Uh-huh. Thank you. Stephen with a PH. And, and George in the middle. George in the and middle. George in the okay. middle. That, that's right. the official name that of that. That sounds like Facebook a TV page. sitcom. George in the middle. <laughs> and you should spell Geyer. Geyer? I believe it's spelled G E Y E R. G E I E R. What? Y. Y. G Y E R. That was a long way around. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed. As I recall, that's how it's spelled. I would like to say in parting that it's an amazing thrill that he finally made it to Maui. He came in 2000, so it's been 20 years since he set foot on the island. So. And uh, with the history that we have together and how much influence he's had on my music, uh, it's just a thrill to have him here. Yeah. Such a, yeah. Well, I'd such love a to have you both back and, and uh, talk about your uh, road trip sometime. Because <laughs> yeah, I can imagine being on a road trip with you two guys. <laughs> well, that's about it. Uh, I'm surprised we uh, have run out of time, but that's always the case. We're here with, uh, off the record, Bobby D. Best is... In the studio once again, always a pleasure, and... Thanks to Maui Toyota. That's right, thanks to Maui Toyota. I'm Bill Best, with Off the Record, Steve Geyer, and Steve Grimes, and uh, thank you for listening and watching on Facebook, and aloha. Aloha.